Welcome to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope this message encourages you. Well, if you have your Bibles, we're going to end up Here's in today's 1 message. Samuel. 1 Samuel at the very end of chapter 15. I might have to give you a little bit of a backdrop, but if you remember, if you weren't here last week, I'll get you called up. But we've been in this series. I believe this is the eighth, maybe ninth week of it. You say, well, can you not remember that? Listen, I can't remember what I was doing two weeks ago. But it's one of those things that we've been in this series for a while. We have had an amazing, amazing time with this aspect of FOMO. And and I just want to end, if you remember last week, I hit a pause button. I hit a a pause button because I said this. I said, don't let the things that you don't know keep you from the things that he, being God, knows. Because I think a lot of times in our lives, the things that we struggle with is all the things that we don't know. And so we try to position ourselves in a way to go get the things that we think we should get. And the problem is, is that we let the things that we don't know keep us from the things that God knows. Let me put it a different way. In your wildest, greatest, amazing dreams, God wants more. No matter what you think about your life, no matter what you think God has for your life, no matter what you dream and think about, I want you to know that I believe in what I call the more than life, that God wants more. In fact, Scripture says that he came to give you life and give you life more abundantly. I believe that God has something more for you, and that's the reason why we have this fear of missing out. We are consumed not just with this this earthly missing out, but a spiritual missing out saying, are we gonna get everything that God has for us? And today I wanna show you where all that really originated. I wanna show you why it's there, but more importantly, I wanna end this series by kind of redefining FOMO and let you understand how you can never be in a spirit of fear of missing out again. So with that being said, let me give you a little bit of a backdrop. What's gonna be going on is I wanna study Saul and David today. King Saul was the first king of the Israelites. And then he was followed up by King David. And to give you an understanding, and it's really intriguing if you spend a lot of time studying Old Testament and the old canon. In fact, if you were to go over to Israel, the Jews are still struggling with some of these things now. Because see, the Jews have been consumed with finding their king finding their conqueror. It's been from the very beginning. Every since there was a promise put on their life that they were gonna have this land, they were gonna inherit the earth, God was gonna give them these things, and it started with Jacob when his name was turned from Jacob to Israel. And every since that moment, the, the Jews have been consumed with getting what is theirs. Now, I'm not saying that as a political statement, okay? I'm not saying that to define the living Jews of today. I'm telling you, in Jewish culture, they've always been consumed because they felt like there were promises from God, and they were the chosen people of God, and they wanted to get exactly what God wanted for their life. Because of that, they have been consumed with having a king or a conqueror. This is the reason why, in the New Testament, when Jesus came, that they missed it, because they thought the Messiah was gonna come in and be the king, the conqueror that gives them the land and gives them all the things that they thought they deserved rather than the realization that he was gonna set up a new kingdom and a new earth and end up being the savior of the world. But what's going on in 1 Samuel, where we're gonna be is we've just come off of this series of scriptures where you have the Torah, which is the law, and then we went into these judges where Israelite was being ruled by these different judges and they are wanting this king. And, and so God has anointed Saul as the first king of the Israelites. And he has done this through Samuel, the prophet. 
and Samuel has went. But listen to what happened. To me, it's one of the the most frustrating scriptures in God's word. And it's probably the thing that I know that I live and I hope that, that you don't live. I hope that you have more mental stability than me. But listen to what they say about Saul towards the end. This is not gonna be on the screen. This is all just a backdrop to get us to today's word. But it's in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 24. Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned for I have transgressed the commandments of the Lord in your word because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. See, what's taking place is Saul is going from the chosen, anointed first king of the Israelites to now being replaced and moved out of that position all because of one simple concept. He got so consumed with the voices and the people around him that he stopped obeying the bigger voice of God that was in his heart. In fact, can I tell you how the prophet Samuel responded to it? Just a few verses down, it says, as Samuel turned to go away, Saul seized him by the skirt of his robe and tore it. And Samuel said to him, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you this day and has given it to a neighbor of yours who is better than you. Now I want you to think for a minute. Could you imagine being anointed and the first king of the Israelites? And because of your actions, because of the lack of obedience in your life, that literally now you're getting ready to literally see everything that you've been doing to be torn from your hand. In fact, the scripture, you will see this one. Listen to how God responds. The Lord, it's in verse 35. And the Lord regretted that he had made Saul king over Israel. I think if we were to be real honest, One of the reasons why we struggle so much with the fear of missing out is because you know yourself better than anybody else. And if we were to be brutally honest, we struggle with this concept. Now, don't mishear me. I believe salvation is by grace, not by works, so that no man may boast. But you're fooling yourself. You are the biggest fool if you don't think that your obedience to the Lord has a lot to do with the way he blesses you and the things that he does for you in your life. Grace allows God to do everything that you don't deserve. Obedience opens up the floodgates for him to put you in another position where he can say, now watch this person. Most of us wanna live just based on grace because we're not willing to submit and be obedient. But God's over there saying, listen, if you'll get obedient, I no longer have to be graceful. Now I can just be rewarding. Now I can just bless you. Now you're doing what I've called you to do. Now you're doing the things that I've asked you to do. And because of that, I can put you on a hilltop. I can make you be light. I can make you be, I'm not talking about a works-based faith. I'm not talking about trying to earn a relationship with the Lord. I'm talking about through grace, we're saved. But after that, what are you gonna do with it? I think most of us live with a fear of missing out because the reality is, is we know our lives are nowhere close to where God wants them. Through the way we treat each other, through the things we do behind closed doors, through the way our character is when nobody else is watching, to the daily obediences of being in his word, to our daily obediences of praying and spending time with God, to the things that he's called us to in generosity and 
and not just living life simply for ourselves, but leveraging our resources and our talents and our time to go and love people well. Like if we were to really be, I mean, brutally honest today, at the end of this fear of missing out series, we would say, you know what the reality is, is I have a fear of missing out because I have a fear that I'm gonna get exactly what I deserve. And you know how you live your life. Well, I wanna address that today. Because right after this, if you were to follow into chapter 16, and I'm not gonna go all the way through it, but right after this, you have the anointing of King David. Can I give you a little bit of backdrop? Samuel is grieving, he's struggling, he's very upset because Saul has been, it's been ripped. He knows that God's no longer going to be anointing Saul as the king. He actually regrets that Saul was king. So now literally God looks, the Lord looks at Samuel and says, how long are you going to mourn over Saul? That's beginning of chapter 16. Get up, go. And he sends them to Jesse to go look. He says, I will anoint a new king. And Samuel shows up, and Jesse lines up the guys, and he's like, wow, that's a big guy. That's a good, let's, nope, not that one. And he goes through all the different sons of Jesse's, and he's like, man, there, there's, is there not anybody else? And all of a sudden, they're like, well, we, we've got this one young boy who's out in the fields. He's, he's kind of the scrawny one. He's the littlest of them. In fact, can I read for you? It's a scripture that I have highlighted in my Bible because I read it on a regular basis. Do not look on his appearance or on his height or his stature because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as a man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. It's verse seven of chapter 16. I read that on a regular basis because if you're like me, there's a lot of times that I wonder, what have I done to, like, I don't, I'm, I'm not big enough, I'm not tall enough, I'm not strong enough, I'm not wise enough. I'm not, like a lot of the things that I don't know about you, but I hope that your dreams are bigger than what you can accomplish. Like if you don't have dreams that are bigger than what your ability can accomplish, then I would tell you you don't really have dreams. You have goals. See, goals in life are things that you can accomplish out of just ethic of working and abilities. Dreams are something that are bigger than you. Like you don't have a way of actually accomplishing those things. There's gonna to have to be divine intervention. And I read this on a regular basis and it'll remind me that you know what? It's not about what the world perceives, but God looks at what? The heart. And so at the end, listen to what happens. So Samuel, and you'll see the scripture in verse 13. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, upon David, from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and left. You know, I don't know about you, but I think really what we're about to hit is one of these moments that for you that the light bulb's gonna go off. I know it did for me. And it's through a young man that had come to visit. Because here is King David. Realize that you say, well, wait a minute, he's not king yet. Well, no, he's been anointed. Like the spirit of the Lord has come upon him. In fact, we're gonna read in the next verse here in just a minute what's going on with Saul. Because not only has the spirit of the Lord been put on King David, but now Saul, the original anointed, now a troubling spirit has been put on him. Like there is this shift that's taking place. And so it, it makes you wonder, well, what did David do? 
Like, I think one of the things that we have to realize is in order to understand that not have this fear of missing out, we have to understand how do we get to those things that are our dreams? How do we get to all the things that God has for our lives? How do we get to those moments that are bigger than us? How do you show up? I had the opportunity to do a wedding this week. We were out in California, me and my wife, and we had a ball. And I, I, unintentionally, of course, you know me, out, out of, my mouth speaks quicker than you know, I can stop words. And I remember sitting, well, actually not sitting, I'm standing, and the groom is there, and the bride has made her way down, and she's standing with her dad, and we're getting ready to have this beginning of this ceremony. And I just have this this overwhelming rush of emotion because I've really been invested in this amazing bride and she's very much a part of my family and me and my wife have loved her and she's loved us back. And I just, and unintentionally, I just said this without even meaning to. And I literally was getting emotional and, and trying not to have that ugly face so then all the pictures are like, what's wrong with him? And I'm crying and I literally just made this comment. I was like, this is better than I ever prayed. And it just hit me. In that moment, it's like I'd hit a time warp. And I not only transgressed and looked at this whole girl's journey, this lady's journey, to get her to this moment, and all the things that I had prayed in, in praying over her to get to that day. But for a moment, I stopped, and, I, and this is gonna seem weird, but you just gotta bear with me. I, I, it wasn't like I was in Cali anymore. I was consumed with you guys. I was in the middle of doing a wedding with the groom and the bride standing in front of me, and these words come out of my mouth, and immediately what I start thinking about is you. And knowing that there's gonna come a day that I promise you what God has coming in your life is better than you've ever prayed. So the question is, how do you get there, right? So give me the how. I think King David gives us the how. He just got anointed as king. He's got the greatest days ahead of him. And listen to what the first thing that he did is. Are you ready? We're gonna be in chapter 16, verse 14. Now the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a harmful spirit from the Lord tormented him. And Saul's servant said to him, Behold, now a harmful spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord now command your servants who are before you to seek out a man who is skillful in playing the lyre. That's like a harp. And when the harmful spirit from God is upon you, he will play it and you will be well. So Saul said to his servants, Provide for me a man who can play well and bring him to me. One of the young men answered, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse who is skillful in playing a man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, a man of good presence. And the Lord is with him. Verse 19. Therefore Saul sent messages to Jesse and said, send me David your son who is with the sheep. And Jesse took a donkey with bread and a skin of wine and a young goat and sent them by David his son to Saul. And David came to Saul and entered his service. And Saul loved him greatly and he became his armor bearer. I want you to catch this. Are you ready? We are in a moment where literally the prophet Samuel has went to the house. He's looked through all the sons of Jesse. He has identified David as the second king of the Israelites. He has anointed him with oil. The spirit of the Lord has descended upon him. He is now looked at as this guy has the Lord's spirit with him. That's what they're testifying to. He is 
the chosen king of Israel. You know what the first thing he did was? He submitted to the current king of Israel. He didn't go up to Saul and say, hey, buddy. God's told me I'm next. Time for you to be done. He didn't get up and say, hey, whoo, I got big things coming. God has told me, has anointed me. The prophet Samuel has anointed me just to let the word out. You can call me King David from now on. The first thing that David did to get to the great things of his life is he submitted to God in the little things. He went to Saul, and he started playing this harp. In fact, one more verse in, verse 22. And Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Let David remain in my service, for he has found favor in my sight. And whenever the harmful spirit from God was upon Saul, David took the harp of the lair and played it with his hand. So Saul was refreshed and was well, and the harmful spirit departed him. Is it intriguing to you like it is to me that the first thing that the second king of the Israelites did was learn obedience in the small things that God was calling him to? You say, Mickey, how big of a deal was this? You know I said if you have big dreams, there are going to be things that you can't really orchestrate? Can I give you an hour? I'm not going to take time because you need to realize that, that David's been anointed as king. He doesn't actually take over as king of Judah until 2 Samuel chapter 2. In the following verses, David's going to kill a giant. He's going to turn around and help fight the Philistines. He's going to be held as this amazing warrior. As he comes into the city, they're going to start chanting these different songs and talking about how Saul's killed so many, but David's killed the thousands. This gets Saul irate. He gets jealous. So now King Saul, who David has had favor with him, is now out to kill David. And rather than taking Saul's life, David starts running. In this process, being there for his dad, guess what he has? He has this amazing relationship with Jonathan, Saul's son. And Jonathan turns around and helps David to know where Saul is so he can always stay one step ahead of him, protects him in the cave. Then they get to this one cave where David just cuts the the tip of his robe off. Just let him know, hey, buddy, while you were sleeping, I could have killed you, but I didn't. And this keeps going all the way to this climax in chapter 26 where all of a sudden there's this this Saul is, is ill and David comes to him and Saul recognizes his voice and David says, hey, why are you pursuing me? Like it was this on and off relationship. Why are you pursuing me? If I've done something wrong under the Lord, then let it be taken away from me. But if not, repent. And Saul literally apologizes and says, I've been the one wrong. And they mend this relationship. And then a few chapters later, you end up seeing that Saul dies and David ends up taking over the kingdom. And then we know everything that's David's life, Right? All the amazing things where David's a man after God's own heart. Now, what do we want to focus on? As soon as I say King David, what's the first thing you think about? Two things, right? You think about a giant and you think about a woman. And it's amazing. We'll focus sometimes on the giant because we all want to be able to conquer giants in our lives, right? But what's the thing that we talk about the most? Bathsheba. 
Why? Because we want to know that he's flawed. Why? Because we're flawed. And despite all the things that David went through, do you know what the catalyst of his life, from being king to losing one of his children because of this sin with Bathsheba, to all of a sudden having Solomon with Bathsheba, who ends up being the wisest man that ever lived, ended up being the greatest king of Israel ever, the wealthiest and all the things in which we get some of our scriptures from, whether it be Proverbs or Ecclesiastes, to go into Absalom, who is one of his sons, and because of the situation going on with his sister, ends up trying to kill King David. I mean, David's life is a train wreck at moments and an absolute celebration in others. In fact, his life looks a whole lot like mine and a whole lot like yours. You know where it all started? The doorway that started everything is when he realized that an anointing and a calling meant obedience in the small things, not chasing after the big things. Do you know when David was obedient in the small things, God's hand was on his life and the kingdom was exploding? It's when he started trying to do stuff on his own and get to these big things, like when he was supposed to be at war, but he decided to stay back. He started thinking more about himself than he did the people. And all of a sudden, it got sifted like wheat, right? Listen, I believe that the fear of missing out is really very easily. I'm gonna give you the how. You just, you gotta, you gotta redefine what the FOMO stands for. Like you guys see behind me, FOMO. Okay, fear of missing out. Listen, I'm gonna give you my aha moment. You can have a fear of missing out or you can have the fruits of my obedience. It just depends on which life you're going to live. You can live constantly in a fear of missing out or you can realize that there's fruit of my obedience. It just depends on which side of the life you want to live. I promise if you will learn to get obedient, to the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll never worry about missing out. God will direct your steps. He will make your path straight. And you'll find yourself in situations that you honestly don't even know how it happened. Can I tell you, I don't have time, but just like going through David's story really, really, really quick, talking about Saul, the issue with Saul was that he started listening to the people when he listened to God. The greatest thing about David is he realized that the small things take care of the big things. Literally, if you take care of the small things, the big things take care of themselves. But you know what we're consumed with? If I was to ask you, what are you worried about missing out on? You immediately start thinking about these big, huge things, right? Job, careers, family, marriage, all these huge things. You may tell you how you have an amazing marriage. Be consumed with the small things. You want me to tell you how you have an amazing career? Be consumed with the small things. In fact, we have different characteristics that drive Crossroads Community Church. In everything that we do, we say we're going to love God, we're going to love people, we're going to do everything with excellence and the right attitude. The last two is about doing the small things. In everything that we do, we're going to do things with excellence and we're going to do it with the right attitude. Imagine if we put that into our lives. What would that look like? See, I think a lot of us, well, I'm going to talk about you, I'll talk about me. 
I think a lot of us struggle because we know where our obedience level is. Like you get ready to pray to God and it starts out something like this. Lord, I want to tell you I'm sorry first. I want to ask for forgiveness. And you start asking God to forgive you for areas of your life. And by the time you stop asking for forgiveness, you spent so much time asking for forgiveness that you're almost like, I don't even remember what I was praying for. I don't even feel like I can ask you for anything. Because my life in the little things is so off, how in the world could I ever ask you for the big things? I'm gonna chase a real quick rabbit. I don't talk about this a whole lot, but I will just say it. You've lost your mind if you think God's gonna bless you financially with the big things if you're not obedient in the small things. The aspect of being generous is not an aspect because a church wants something or because the church needs something. It's about you identifying that everything you have is not yours and to learn to be generous. And that's why God called us to tithe. Why? It's about doing the small things so that scripture says so he can open up the floodgates so that he can do the big things. And that same concept is in every aspect of our life, isn't it? Yeah, I get tickled with people that want to find their right spouse and they want to get married. And to them, the best place, like, Lord, I want to find a godly man. I want to find somebody that loves Jesus. I want to find somebody that's going to be a great dad. And, you know, in the best place that I know to do that, to find that person, is obviously at the club. At the bar, I mean, like, like every day, like when I go into the bar, the first thing I think about is, wow, that guy's going to be an amazing dad. Isn't it funny how we live our lives? Like we want God to bless us, but we want to live our life in total regret. Like we usually pray this, God, do what only you can do. Which is the polite way of saying, God, I'm not going to do nothing. What would it look like if you and I said, you know what? Not out of this moralist mentality or legalistic mentality or pharisaical approach, but what would it look like if you say, you know what, God, I'm going to do what you've called me to do in obedience so that you can turn around and do everything that you say you can do as the promises in God's word. We've seen this if you've been a parent more than a day, haven't you? Boy, when a child is obedient, the answer is yes, isn't it? Dad, I'd like to, sure. Dad, sure. How about yes? Sure. But boy, when they're disobedient, what happens? Nope. Nope. That, nope. And it's amazing how it, how it runs. Now, for all the, the kids in the room, let me help you out. Sometimes as a parent, we say no, even though you're obedient. Why? Because it's fun. 
Like we don't want you to live in entitlement, right? So sometimes we say no just so that you know that you don't get everything. But as a parent, there is nothing that I enjoy more than saying yes. I love it. I love being in a situation that I can say yes. I love being able to leverage my resources and my influence to say yes to my kids, to watch them go do something bigger than themselves. I absolutely am enthralled with it. As a parent, I don't know if there's anything that I enjoy more. Tough part, there's nothing I enjoy less than saying no. There's nothing that I enjoy less than, than because of life situations to have to say, man, as, as much as I want to say yes, you've put me in a situation where I have to say no. Now you say, was well, that how God works? Well, no, I don't think God's a celestial genie that you rub a lamp and he pops out and he's like, okay, give me your three wishes. I don't think he does that. But I do believe that there are times just like that song we sung just a minute ago, where we're praying for the miraculous and God saying, if you want me to do the big things, you better take care of the small things. You may tell you why some people don't see the miracles in their life. It's they never submit it to God and let him be the obedient Lord of their life. Let me tell you why people have a fear of missing out. It's because they're too consumed with getting what's theirs and they're not willing to be obedient to allow God to open up the floodgates to go give them everything that he wants. In fact, it's in Matthew. Matthew chapter seven, verses 15 through 20. Maybe you remember this scripture that there's this debate going on where right at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, they're talking about these false prophets and trying to figure out how you're gonna determine who's what and who's doing what and how are you gonna know. And, and Jesus very simply puts it very clear. He says, it's easy. You'll know them by their fruits. And he starts describing different, different plants that put off different fruits and, and he introduces what is a constant theme of God's word. It's this universal law of the harvest. In other words, what you sow is what you're gonna reap. You can't sow oranges and expect to get apples. You can't sow discord and expect to have harmony. You can't sow selfishness and expect to have generosity. You can't sow anger and expect to have peace. You can't sow disobedience and expect not to miss out. It breaks God's word. It breaks everything that's in his word. From the very beginning of time, the greatest law that's ever been out there is the universal law of the harvest. It's why plants create what they create. And you know what? It's been consistent all throughout time. But yet we look at how God created different things and we, then we look at ourselves and we go, oh, well, you know, I, mine's different, right? But us humans, we're different, right? 
We can sow whatever we want to sow and still reap whatever we want to reap. And that's not the way it works. And that's why you have a fear of missing out. See, you have a fear of missing out not because you're fearing of missing something. You know what your obedience level is. So very simply put, can I give you one simple challenge? Change your obedience level. If you're encouraged by today's podcast and would like to hear more messages, visit us at crossroadscommunitychurch.com.